We're all born intuitive. All we have to do is let go of the layers of conditioning and the intuition's right there. I really think we're here to experience, and I mean, Carl Sagan says it too, like we are the cosmos, but the cosmos lack consciousness, like, you know, the nitrogen, the carbon, the oxygen, like all of the stuff and star stuff is in us, and yet we get consciousness, so we get to like experience being star stuff. Our feelings are a blessing, like we have feelings, we have consciousness, we have thoughts. And so if you're on autopilot, you've like missed the whole point, like you've missed the gift of life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hola, welcome to PodHer, the podcast that's all about helping you reconnect with your healthier self. My name is Natalia Novais, and I'm your host for this season. Today's guest is Deganit Noor, who is such a light. Deganit is a spiritual teacher, clairvoyant, intuitive, acupuncturist, writer, and speaker. She was named one of the top 15 intuitives worldwide by Goop and has been featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, The New York Times, and many, many more. Deganit believes world peace starts with inner peace, and for the past 16 years, she has guided countless clients towards finding purpose. And honestly, let me tell you, I can personally vouch for her. After our conversation, I felt so energized and inspired, and if I'm being honest here, my day wasn't going so great. So she does have an incredible gift. She talked about her own journey into clairvoyance, and she shared some tips on cultivating intuition, tapping into that inner voice we often ignore, and living a life filled with meaning. Plus, she'll delve into how intuition, authenticity, and purpose are all beautifully intertwined. This conversation was so uplifting, and it really made my day so much better. I hope it will do the same to you. For the lack of a better word, I'm such a skeptical person. I feel like this is the type of conversation that I could not have had eight months ago. So Aww. this is really cool. I love it. And so, you know, I was a skeptic too, so hmm, I totally really? get it. Yeah. And the proof hmm. is in the pudding. Like it took me like two years of offering readings before I actually started believing what I was even seeing. That's super <laughs> you interesting. Know? So, well, let's start with that. So tell us a little bit about what you do for those who don't know you. I help people hone their intuition and heal themselves, often through my online programs, events, courses, retreats. And this is after offering psychic sessions, over 23,000 psychic sessions. I've like distilled everything that I've witnessed and seen and learned into a couple programs that you can take online to learn it for yourself. Tell us a little bit about how you got started and why. Yeah, I totally came across it. I mean, there are no coincidences or accidents. I get that. But at the time, I mean, I'd been meditating since 17. Uh, wellness and spirituality weren't necessarily new to me. But I was on a track to become a dentist and huh. yeah, I got rejected from dental school and that's the year. So I had like a gap year, I guess. I got rejected from dental school. It was devastating. It didn't make sense. My grades were great. My, you know, dental admissions test scores were great. 
And it's definitely one of those where rejection is protection or redirection because that is the year. So I moved to this city that had a post-baccalaureate program uh, that was all science to help my chances of getting into dental school. And also in that city was the meditation teacher who ended up teaching me how to tap into my intuition. And so while I was there for that year, I just started playing around with my intuition and offering anyone I could a reading because it was just so fun. Like I definitely mm. still thought of myself as a dentist, was not taking the readings seriously, didn't even, wasn't even sure that I believed in them, just knew that I really enjoyed them and was having a lot of fun with them. <laughs> That's so interesting. <laughs> but, uh, but what made you realize and kind of like stop and say, wait, this is real? What changed? Yeah, I mean, so again, I never took it seriously, so I would never charge. I felt bad when people would pay me because I was like, I don't even know. Like, I think I'm making shit up. Please don't. <laughs> like, mm. please don't take this so serious because I'm not. Um, and people would just like give me all their money and refer friends who would give me all their money for like these readings. And like, this is out of like, I had three roommates at the time. I mean, I'm like a kid, I'm, you know, in my early twenties and they would come by my home, which was like, you know, what you would imagine a home to look like in your early twenties for these readings. And I was also serving tables. And there was a week where I looked at the two piles of cash, like the one that I had from serving tables and the one that I had from people just dropping cash after a reading. And the one from the readings was larger than the one from serving tables. And I just kind of like fell to my knees and started crying and was like, holy shit, am I gifted? <laughs> like, oh my God, is this real? <laughs> like, wait a second, did I just, like, did that really just happen? And then that's the week that had me take it more seriously. And so I kind of like, you know, started meditating before these readings and started developing my own protocol. And, you know, it the business just grew because I started mm -hmm. taking it a little bit more seriously. And so I figured, well, if this is working, I've always been fascinated by acupuncture, but I didn't think that that would be a viable life path. I come from like a more conservative family. So like mm -hmm. they're still on the fence about all of what I practice <laughs> and what its credibility. So, you know, the, my conditioning hadn't allowed me to see acupuncture as, or being a clairvoyant healer as a legit career path. But after seeing that visible evidence that this could be a rather lucrative career path, like I could make a living and not starve, it offered me the confidence to actually apply to acupuncture school. And that journey was super amazing as well. And once I entered acupuncture school, I'd already been reading for nearly a couple of years and acupuncture is all energy-based medicine. So like I already was reading energy. So it all came very easily, very naturally to me. And acupuncture was just like an added extension of the psychic readings. Right. And as you mentioned, so people were willing to pay you because they see value in what you are creating. So right. tell me a little bit about what it is that you've observed people got from the sessions mm. and how how did that benefit their lives? Like what goes on in a session that makes people want to pay you for what you do? Yes. Yeah, so what, what I found is 
there's usually like a dramatic shift during the session. There's often tears and laughter and sometimes burping and farting and like just ways to release energy. (laughs) (laughs) So the session itself tends to feel really healing and people, you know, at the end of the session, Mm -hmm. the most common feedback we receive, not just myself, but also Tim, Crystal, any psychic that I've ever trained is, you know, I feel so much lighter. I feel so much more clear, Mm. more confident. Well, there's two things that we do with the sessions. One, we'll either like heal things or we'll gain clarity and alignment in manifesting things. So either we're like figuring out past trauma and like why it had to go down that way with your nuclear family or with Mm. your ex or, you know, what were the lessons and the blessings in it? Or it's a little bit of, okay, I really, you know, I wanted to be a dentist, but that didn't happen. Why, you know, Mm. am I a failure or is there like a better opportunity for me? And then it's kind of like no actually like dentistry is still in the cards it was just that school wasn't a right fit and like kind of like aligning you with your desires and getting gaining greater clarity on what your desires even are um yeah so most people do find it a lot easier to make big decisions Mm. with the help of a reading it almost sounds like therapy in a way yeah so some people will say it's like 10 years of therapy in one session because like with therapy, you're pulling the thread and I love therapy. I go to therapy myself, but what therapy is, is a little bit like you're pulling the thread and you're like, and how does that make you feel? When was the first time you felt that way? Can you relate it to da da da? And with a psychic reading, it's like, oh, I see when you were five, this happened. And so of course, since you were five until now, every time somebody says something like that, it triggers this response. It's like, we can go right there. It's not a scavenger hunt. Mm. It's like a little bit more of a direct path to um, better understanding you. Gotcha. One thing you help people get in touch with is something that I think is so important and so overlooked in a society, which is intuition. Yes, it's my favorite. Tell me a little bit about what that word means to you. Yes, so I view intuition as your own, your soul's like GPS, like it's your own personal navigation system through life. Intuition and authenticity are kind of one and the same. The more authentic you are, the more you're channeling your intuition, Mm. the more you focus on honing your intuition. It's kind of like you kind of, a byproduct of that is being more authentic. And Mm. when you're intuitive, you really know yourself, you understand yourself, you know what's a good fit for you and what's not. And you're kind of like unapologetic about it. You're just so clear and it doesn't need to make practical pragmatic sense like one example is you know there's this wine shop in my neighborhood that had opened and their wine selection was excellent and my first time going in there I got like a bad vibe and this is in Manhattan and it was in like a greater neighborhood so this was like a fancier wine shop and I was really excited for it. And yet I couldn't get myself to go in there because I could not stand the owner, even though she was really nice and always super helpful. And I remember once I went in there with a friend who was like, whoa, you just changed. Like I've never, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I gotta go. And I just like left the wine shop and let her do the shopping. Um, So that was my intuition saying like, this is not a good person. This is not a good fit for you. And I couldn't understand it with my cognitive mind at the time because she's only being helpful and friendly and smiling and giving my dog treats and, you know, just like everything wonderful. And still I couldn't stand her. (laughs) And yeah, 
and so I go to the dog park and all the dog moms are talking about how hostile she is and how her dog attacked this other dog. And like, there was like this whole other story about her that I hadn't physically seen, but I could intuitively feel into that validated what I was Mm. feeling intuitively, you know, but I, I knew to honor and validate my intuition before the proof, you know, like I've been doing this for long Mm. enough where it's like, I don't need Mm -hmm. to know why I feel icky around someone. I just trust it and run away. But oftentimes like a week or two later, the reasons why I felt that way will become more visible and apparent. For the average person living in this society, I think it's incredibly hard to get in touch with our intuition and to even acknowledge that that is a thing because we want concrete evidence yes for every single thing immediately 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 is a great word because we get evidence sometimes but it it, it requires some patience and some deep deep listening <laughs> the point here being we don't look in words a lot i think it's hard for us to do the research internally instead of kind of going out there in the world and trying to find the evidence for every single question that we have. So much. So tell us a little bit about how we can strengthen that internal muscle of listening to our intuition and understanding ourselves a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I think if you're totally disconnected from that world, A nice bridge to that world might be journaling, um, like automatic writing, and just like let the pen take you. If that's challenging for you to just kind of like brain dump on paper or on a screen, maybe like look up writing prompts. Like, what are you curious about? Are you curious about that job? What are you curious about? Like, you know, and ask out all the questions that you might ask a psychic and just read through the questions and like without even thinking because your intuition comes in really fast and as a whisper so it's really easy to miss because your analytical mind then overrides it so you might like so i might have intuitively felt like ew this is gross um in that wine shop but my analytical mind would have been like what is wrong with you she's so nice like calm down stay let your dog enjoy his treat pick out a nice wine and you know like i feel like my if i wasn't as if i hadn't spent years developing my intuition and I had just walked into that wine shop, I could easily see how I'd feel icky. And then I would make it like there's something wrong with me that I felt icky and not that I'm being super intuitive. Uh. So so even an example like that, you could ask yourself that in a journaling prompt, like, why did you feel that way in the wine shop? And then just see what comes through. I love questions as a divination tool. I think if you can offer yourself questions and not offer yourself a gap, like don't offer yourself time to think about them and process them and answer them, but just automatically answer them, I feel like that's going to be your intuition coming through before your mind gets to hijack or interfere that response. Yeah. And as you say that, my mind goes straight to authenticity and how our intuition kind of comes from this place of being fully authentic in who we are and where when we are really in touch with our internal world we yep, we have 100%. in general as humans this big bucket of judgment that makes us try to shape us in, in a different way than what we are authentically yes do you think it's from socialization oh yeah <laughs> 
think it's all conditioning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, before, I mean, gender reveals, like, I learned this before I was even psychic because I'm a human development major. So, like, you know, before you're even born, there's all this conditioning about, like, your gender and, you know, what type of ethics and values and personality, like, people are going to project onto you just on account of your gender. Like, you're not even born yet. And they're already seeing you from a more narrow perspective. Like they can't even, if I'm already seeing you as a gender, then I'm missing so much of you. So I feel like before we're even born, the conditioning and the programming and the limitations have started. We're all born intuitive. All we have to do is let go of the layers of conditioning and the intuition's right there. Like we're all born with abs and underneath the layers of <laughs> other tissue, <laughs> we've all got a six pack, you know, and your intuition's kind of the same. <laughs> but it's true. Oh, I love it. And well, we're a health and wellness podcast and we're talking here about your abs. Those are <laughs> different types of abs. Yeah, exactly. Your core. I mean, we're talking about your core nonetheless. And for it to your be like... Your actual core. Yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> the real core. <laughs> What sustains you. I love that. And I've been reading recently a lot about how levels of depression, suicide, especially among teens in the US is rising one of the components obviously there are multiple multiple reasons and i don't think anybody figured out all of the reasons but i do believe one of the reasons is because we are not fully in touch with ourselves yeah. as human beings we don't take the time to listen to ourselves and then yeah. it's increasing this issue right so tell me a little bit about how you've observed that in your work, because you're, you're working with that every day, right? Do you think that this connection between self, intuition yeah. is getting worse? I think we're in a really extreme moment where it's like on one side it is getting worse. I totally do think that there's more dissociation um, than ever for sure. But on the other side, I think there's more seekers, more light workers, uh, more truth tellers, more of you and I. I feel like the pandemic was a response to how out of touch we've become that nature had to like whip us back into shape and be like, you are part of me, like stop denying, you know, stop projecting your will onto me and pretending like you're above me. Like I made you like mm, bow down, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so I feel like the pandemic has helped dramatically with a call to action for all the light workers and the seekers and, uh, the revolutionaries like I feel like we you know it's awakened a whole I want to use you know militant terms like a whole army of light warriors is what it feels like to me to fight the good fight I don't think that that's been sustainable I don't think it's been working for anyone you know not even the billionaires you know I have celeb clients I have a lot of high profile clients so I do have a lot of billionaire clients and Ultimately, like you reach a point where all the stuff isn't enough and that's when you see them offer their services and offer their philanthropy and their activism because that's what connects them to reality and to humanity and to their own heart, their own soul, their own path and purpose. And so that's more fulfilling than accumulating wealth and then all the accolades and success. 
I feel like people are waking up. I feel like it is happening. I just feel like ego tends to be louder than spirit. So it's it's a quiet revolution, but it is, I, I think it's happening. Mm, that's a beautiful thought, a quiet revolution. I like that. <laughs> I think there are also a lot of people that want to change and want to get in touch with their, themselves, but they really don't know where to start. Yeah. We've been taught that happiness comes from the outside, right? Yep. You get a job, you get money, you get married, whatever it is, it's always on the outside, right? Like you get something and then you're happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's never the other way around. Like you access your light and then things will fall into place. Yep. And what's interesting to me about that is that we learn this narrative, right? So then we pass that narrative to the next generation and there it goes. It continues. Tell me a little bit about how those stories are intergenerational, because that's one thing we talk a lot about in this podcast is how these ideas, these stories, the way we think about health, the way we think about wellness is really something that we learn a lot from our ancestors. So tell me a little bit about how you see the relationship between ourselves and our authenticity and our intuition as intergenerational. Yeah, so I've been offering partner sessions lately. So that's like a deep dive into your relationship, be it romantic or a business partnership, whatever, right? And I'm mentioning this because there've been more than a handful of romantic partnerships that I've looked into. And the first session is always past life readings, like when did your souls first come together? What are you, you know, what legacy are you carrying out this lifetime? And then the second session is cord cutting. And that's the one where sometimes ancestors will come in and there's energy cords from a partner to their ancestors. And it's so clear to me that the conflict and the disruptive patterns and behaviors and the mistrust and the self-doubt and stuff like that, that are and the insecurities that are um, showing up in the relationship has nothing to do with the two individuals, but it's all epigenetics and ancestral trauma that has been passed down. Our ancestors had it rough <laughs> <laughs> and ancestral trauma is real. Epigenetics is real. And that what that is, is if they had it rough, we're going to feel that. And so if they were poor, let's say, and we're wealthy, born wealthy, our parents were wealthy, their parents were wealthy, we're still going to feel poor on the inside. If our ancestors had, you know, that in their energy field, in their DNA, like it's passed down like that. So yeah, ancestral trauma can really be limiting. It can be really limiting. I mean, that's, I guess, where the conditioning first started, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. How do we cut these cords? That's a tricky one. Um, I think just self-examining and being like, where did I pick this up from? Is this really mine or is this somebody else's? Like if you're mistrusting your partner, like where did I pick this up from? Is this really mine or is this my mom's thought? You know, because my dad was always cheating on her or something like that. Like where did I pick this up from? Like is this really mine? And just kind of, uh, again, using questions as a divination tool. I do think for something this heavy, a professional <laughs> might be helpful. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about purpose, too. It seems to me that there's intuition, authenticity, and purpose. Yeah. It's almost like a staircase. Yes. I mean, so your intuition is going to be a reflection of your purpose, guide you towards your purpose, have you 
radiating your purpose with every step. The, one of the first energy tools I ever teach is your grounding cord. And your grounding cord, um, do you want to do it real quick for like just less than a minute right now? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So just imagine you're sitting on top of a hollow tube. Mine tends to look like a hollowed out tree trunk. So you're sitting on top of this. When I teach kids this, it's a magical tree trunk that loves to eat all your, you know, <laughs> conflicting energy or chaotic <laughs> energy. It fuels it and it gets stronger because of it. So you can imagine like whatever it is that you're feeling conflicted about, um, like let's call all worry thoughts the color red and send all red color from your head to your toes, all through your body, in your energy field, down this magical tree trunk. So you see the red at the very top of the tree trunk and then the tree trunk like like gobbles it up and it just like sucks it down all the way down into the center of the earth until you watch the red fade away. It disappears completely. Imagining now the first person that comes to mind, it's likely you're carrying some of their programming in your space. So let's turn that person into the color blue, whether it's your romantic partner, a parent, your child. We're going to call their energy in your space the color blue. And you're going to scan for the color blue. You may see it. You may not. Either way, you're going to send the color blue down your tree trunk. And energy follows intention. So whether or not you're seeing it, you're definitely doing it. Your subconscious mind is always listening. Your energy knows what to do with the blue. And it's sending it all down that tree trunk. It gets absorbed into the center of the earth and redistributed right back to that person. So the person wins and you win. They get their energy back and you have more space in your space for your authentic thoughts, your authenticity, your personal energy, your intuition. And and basically you'll just go color after color until you do feel neutral and clear and you feel like all the other cooks are out of the kitchen and I'm just it's just me and if I ask myself a question, it'll just me that be me that answers and not what I think my dad would say or mom would say or partner would say, you know? Ooh. I I just shed a little tear here. That was really good. This was great. This was powerful. Well, whoever is listening, try it. It's really liberating. It felt really, yes. really good. I think also, to be honest with you, I'm in a day where I feel like I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you started to talk about relationships and I was just like, is she reading me? <laughs> thing too or uh, that's also I mean that it brings up a good point I think p probably people that are listening are empaths and so we're kind of always constantly reading other people whether we like it or not so the grounding cord is extra important to just kind of like detox like part of so part I am super intuitive and that first showed up as really poor boundaries and me being an energy sponge and feeling like so in high school from class to class to class like I'd be in math class and I'd be happy and then I'd go to English and I was sad and then I'd go to history and I was mad and like what I didn't realize is I was none of that was me I was just picking up on how people were feeling in my environment and matching it and I think a lot of empaths a lot of people that are probably drawn to this show 
do that. And so the grounding cord is extra important so that you can get back to you and, and so that you can view your empathy as a superpower. Like that's pretty amazing to be able to feel into your environment in that way if you know that that's what you're doing. And if you do know that that's what you're doing, then you can consciously control it. If you don't know that that's what you're doing, then it tends to control you. And that's where, you know, I was like crying all day, every day. <laughs> I had an eating disorder. I felt like terrible about myself and about the world. And I was angry and <laughs> yeah, a victim and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so interesting. That That's kind of my story too. I went for an eating disorder. And I think when you're an empath, I think the first instinct it's to kind of try to shut it down and try to reprogram yourself. Yeah. But that's such a shame because it yeah. is really a superpower. My point being to access it and to be comfortable with it, you have to go through a process that it hurts. It really hurts. Yeah. It does hurt. It does hurt. The truth hurts. Yeah. Looking at yourself hurts. Like looking yeah. at you with no filter with a full sense of like, I just want to get to know you. It can be really <laughs> difficult in the beginning because we're not perfect. And then we have to look inwards and we see all of these flaws that we kind of wanted to ignore. But then when we see yep. it, yes, it's painful, but also that's how we heal. Mm -hmm. So do you have any tips on how to calm down the judgmental look that we have towards ourselves? and mm -hmm. deepening the internal listening that we have with our intuition. Totally. So first of all, you pick that up from somewhere. That's not even your judgment. Somebody taught you how to judge. I don't think we're born that way. I think we're born to learn from one another and not to compete from one another. You know, like that's a survival mechanism. Like the fact that we are as competitive as we are and that's new to our species, mm. like that doesn't... So, you know, you can turn judgment into a color and throw that down your grounding cord, A. B, just to offer some people hope on the other side of the pain is unconditional self-acceptance and there's so much mental freedom and inner mm, peace. Yeah. So the pain, you know, you grow through what you go through. The pain is kind of like a rite of passage. I love this quote that says, healing is where love meets pain. And... I just view the love as coming in and replacing the pain, like it sh crowds the pain out. And that's when you know you're healed, when that same past trauma, like that same memory from when you were 15 um, is almost laughable. Like it doesn't hurt as much and you're not, you know, mad at all the predators and aggressors anymore. You're just like, wow, that happened, you know, and it's a story and it's not, it's like watching TV. It's not as personal um, is I think when you've healed it. Mm. Everyone has their shit. So I've offered 23,000 readings. So I promise you, <laughs> everyone has self-doubt. I mean, I read for celebs and they are sometimes doubting their romantic partners. They're mm, doubting if yeah. they were good in that movie. They're doubting if like the producer likes them. You know, I've had, you know, some really beautiful clients that are actually paid for being models for like the way they look and they've come in for like weight loss they're emaciated and they've come in for like weight loss stuff like that so like everyone I think just knowing for me that was really healing because I did get into this field when I was still struggling with disordered eating and just seeing like no none of these people that I'm reading for have disordered eating but they all got their own shit <laughs> like they've all got 
button. And so it helped me kind of be like, none of this matters. Like none of it, here I am worried about like my stomach, but she's also worried about her stomach. So she's not even, she doesn't even have a bandwidth to look at mine, you know, because she's worried about sucking her own in. And like, may we all break free from the self-judgment and judgment of others and competition. But for me, that was really helpful to see that I wasn't alone in it. And I think that that's how, you know, 12 step programs work too, is if, if you talk about what you're the most ashamed of, it loses its charge and it's no longer shameful. So I think just like also talking about it, like grabbing a bestie and being like, you know, I really judge the way I look or, you know, like I keep taking this loser back over and over. And I'm like embarrassed to admit that, like I'm embarrassed to let you know about our relationship behind the scenes. So I'm going to let you know as a way to like confront this within myself. Yeah, sharing is pretty powerful. Mm, that's beautiful, yeah. And like yeah. one other thing I love and I would love to hear from you is mirror work. I think <clears throat> it has been working yeah. so wonderfully for me. There's just something so powerful about looking at yep. yourself in the mirror and taking the time yep. and being like, I know everything about you <laughs> like you you literally that is the only person you have full access to it's yourself and then you're like I know all of that and I accept all of that and I love all of that so Natalia how long have you been doing mirror work for, for wow for me it's been like two months it's very very new. Oh, nice and how are you yeah how was it at first and how is it going now uh i definitely feel a deeper sense of acceptance and connection intimacy with myself Aww. in ways that i didn't have before and it's it's not because yeah. you're looking at yourself it's more because you're taking the time to explore that relationship i feel like we're all so so focused on every single relationship that we have with other people like even even friendships, not just talking about romantic relationships. And we never take the time to just mm -hmm. develop that internal relationship that's so important. So I think mirror work helped me realize that I'm just a person like everybody else. Like I need to take care of that person that's just like so I would take care of anyone else. You saw yourself. That's so beautiful. So it's a process. It's not like mm -hmm. I graduated from it, right? <laughs> but I mean, Jerry Seinfeld accredits his entire success to meditation. And I've got to say, like, for me, if what year was it? Was it 2019? My mantra was spirit over spreadsheets because <laughs> I had like, I, you know, was trying to elevate the business and I was like getting mad at myself for being as disorganized. And I was trying to like get into spreadsheets and uh, whatever, like actually get my boss bitch hat on. And it really failed me. Like it did not work for me. But the second I'd like meditate on, you know, my business plan or success and growth, I'd attract like a million new, not a million, like a few new clients or students overnight or opportunities would come in without me having to like network and outreach and send that email. Like, so that was the year where I was like, I'm done following protocols. I'm just going to like meditate my way. <laughs> I mean, like also when you, 
I do want to say <laughs> we do live on earth. So the meditation does work when coupled, when supported by uh, physical labor as well. So like I would meditate and opportunities would come in, but then it was up to me to be prepared for those opportunities and rise to the calling. But it was instead of me doing outreach to find the opportunities or figuring out everything on a spreadsheet, it was more like I figured it out during meditation and then they presented themselves in my inbox and then that was my work to do was after they got to the inbox but I didn't have to find, like get them into my inbox yeah the resistant mindset right yeah that makes me think about how sometimes the timing of life is so different mm -hmm. than the time of our ego mm -hmm. and we keep trying to push time to follow a timeline of the ego or the society standards of, yep. you know, well, how time should work and uh, <laughs> how fast you should get to a certain place. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll just give you an example so you know where this question is coming from. Like, for me, as soon as I have a desire or something, I it can come from a very intuitive place. Like, I want this. But then the first instinct is like, oh, let me work really hard to get this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's not how it works, right? At least in my experience. And I, oh, man, I struggle with this. But yeah. I've observed that sometimes things take longer because we're pushing it so much. We're not trusting, right, in the timing of life. So talk to me a little bit about faith and how do you see faith in the context of intuition and authenticity mm -hmm. i think either you have the belief and you go into these practices to validate and affirm the belief or you might just go into these practices because you don't have the belief like i didn't believe in past lives and reincarnation for like two years I forced myself into believing it because otherwise I couldn't handle the pain and injustice in the world. So I was like, I don't understand why some people are starving and some people have mega yachts. Like, I don't get this planet. I don't want to exist here. And then when I adopted the belief of reincarnation and karma and stuff like that, I was like, okay, there's like a different justice system at play that I can get down with. And that just helps me live on earth this lifetime a little bit easier. And then I started reading past lives and still was kind of like on the fence. Like it was like a philosophy that I adopted because it just made it easier to live in this world. But like, as I'm reading past lives, people are finding themselves like, I'll be like, you're a professor, you're in Germany. It is, you know, the year 1246, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll like Google search them, like all the details and find themselves. And so after enough people found themselves, their past self to the detail, I was like, holy, maybe this stuff, maybe there's something to this. And that's what had me believe. And same as mirror work, when I started doing it, when I started telling myself I loved myself in the mirror, it was immediately followed by like, no, you don't, you idiot. Like it was like immediately followed by negative thoughts. I'd like cry. It took me months to like actually believe myself when I said, I love you to myself in the mirror. It wasn't instant, but because of the work, now I have faith and I trust in the process. I trust in the unknown. When things are falling apart, I'm not freaked mm. out. I trust, you know, something better is falling together. But I don't know. I think 
I kind of bullied myself into this place. Like, I don't <laughs> I went in. <laughs> I love that you accept that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that that level of trust in myself, the universe, this work even was there until I started practicing it. And the proof was in the pudding. And now I'll believe it to see it. But I really, in the beginning of my journey, I had to see it to believe it first. Hmm. Sounds like a pull. And then you kind of have to jump to see what's on the inside. You cannot really like see it from the outside. Yeah. And I'm thinking here, like life throws stuff at us. It gets challenging sometimes for all of us. That is universal. I agree. It seems to me that when we have those challenges that are like the big ones, how would you look at that intuitively? How do you look at pain? Can it be Mm -hmm. a mechanism to access Mm -hmm. intuition and authenticity? Yeah. So if you have the luxury, the privilege, like the availability of taking time off and just like surrendering to that dark night of the soul and just like (laughs) sobbing for a week and like being curled up in fetal position and just like letting the feelings wash over you. Basically what I've noticed is if you don't make the time for these moments, you're prolonging the pain. But if you can kind of like clear your schedule and just be like, this sucks, I'm going through it. And it's hard for me to focus on work, on my family, on anything when I'm going through it like this. So I'm just gonna like be in it and kind of like, wallow in your pity, like have an adult tantrum, (laughs) go through all the feelings, like go through, you know, the stages of grief, you know, like go through your denial, go through your anger, then go through your like grieving process. And on the other end of it is acceptance and you've healed and you've seen all the lessons and it all makes sense. I, I love journaling. I've mentioned it a few times. I also love meditation. I love baths, Epsom salt and baking soda. I have like an Epsom salt baking soda bath three to four times a week. And like biohacking stuff too with like supplements that just kind of like help facilitate the process. But really just being in it like there's no just trying not to avoid it and just trying to like be still and silence and stillness can be some of the most potent effective fastest medicine you know if you can just get yourself silent and still it'll probably move through you faster than if you keep yourself busy and I think I've experienced that last year I went for a really challenging situation and then what I did was basically like I'm going to take 10 days off to cry. And like, that's really what I did. But then, and the point I'm I'm making here is after those 10 days, really, I went for a grieving process and then I was fine. And people were really worried about me uh, because they were like, you're too well. Are you actually okay? And I'm like, I swear to God, like I, I went through the journey. So My point here is it works. Like sometimes it's just taking some time and then letting the pain teach you what it has to teach you. Yeah. I love that you took 10 days and just cried. Like, so that 10 days could have been stretched out along like 10 months. You know what I'm saying? Like I would see people resist taking those 10 days. They'll throw themselves into work. They'll throw themselves into hobbies and activities and being social and like perpetuates the problem. I love that you actually honored 
the grieving process. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I always say this. I deeply believe the same lesson will keep showing up yeah. over and over yeah. again until we learn it. So it's better to just stop and feel it and learn from it. So I think what you said is so on point. Before I ask you our last question, I just wanted to ask you if there's something you wanted to talk about that I haven't brought up. I mean, I think we've kind of covered that we're all born intuitive and I feel like everyone here was born. I mean, the chances of anyone being born are like one in what, eight trillion or something. I can't remember the statistics, but it's like point oh 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 one percent so like you're a miracle <laughs> the fact that you're here is a miracle this lifetime is a gift and um my wish for everyone is to please honor that gift please have pleasure in every moment and make sure you're enjoying this like i really think life is to be experienced um there's this other Rumi quote i apparently love Rumi, but um you are Stop playing so small. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. I really think we're here to experience, and I mean, Carl Sagan says it too, like we are the cosmos, but the cosmos lack consciousness. Like they, mm. they don't have a way of experiencing themselves, but like, you know, the nitrogen, the carbon, the oxygen, like all of the stuff and star stuff is in us. And yet we get consciousness. So we get to like experience being star stuff. Like we get oh. to like experience this life. Like our feelings are a blessing. Like we, we have feelings, you know, we have consciousness, we have thoughts. Like, and so if you're, on autopilot, you've like missed the whole point. Like you've missed the gift of life, you know? <laughs> so please like seek hobbies, have fun. The more you do meditate and develop your intuition, the more your purpose, you tend to walk your purpose. If that's calling you, I'm guessing it is. If you're listening to your, this podcast at, at nirvana.com, you can find some esoteric education to help you honor your path and purpose or some psychic tools. Like the membership is a little bit easier. It's like psychic tools. You can do a module at a time um, and you can hop on and off. It's like a monthly membership. So you could just sign up for a month, figure out how to work all the psychic tools and, you know, unsubscribe and practice the tools on your own without the recordings. Like once you've got them, they're yours for life. You know, like once your body's gone through that, it can do it again and again. Um, and I'm not the only one that offers these, you know, like YouTube is an amazing resource. There's resources, uh, but you're your own best resource, right? Like first, it's really as simple as follow your bliss, like do more stuff that makes you happy. Happiness begets happiness. Happiness begets authenticity. So like the happier you are, the easier your intuition will come to you, the easier like doing things that are good for you will come to you. You know, like the happier you are, the more you'll crave movement, the more you'll crave meditation, stuff like that. It, it'll beget more health, more wellness, more happiness, which will eventually have you walking your life purpose and really feeling fulfilled every day as you deserve. Oh, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you for sharing those words. What does wellness mean to you? I mean, the first thing I'm thinking of is happiness, um, but wellness feels like alignment. It feels like health. It feels like when I'm walking my talk, integrity. It just feels like I can look at myself in the mirror, <laughs> you know? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. 
And that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have comments, if you want to talk to us, you can find us on Instagram at podher. And don't forget to subscribe, to comment, to share this podcast with your friends and family because that's the best way to support Podher. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and I'll see you next week. Beijinhos!